station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie high priestess, Melissa Kersh. Hello! And uh, we have brought with us this week what we're going to call, I don't know, movie three of pentacles, maybe, Chris Vanderkamp. Hi! Hi! I, I thought maybe Acolyte would be good. Acolyte Ooh. would be good, but uh, the, 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 the reference to high priestess is very specific. That's very true. To the movie we are going to watch today. Oh. So Chris is, of course, our companion for our trek through the Bond film. Films. I like companion. <clears throat> you are our companion, much like Doctor Who, only we look the same no matter what regeneration it is. Aww. Yeah, sorry. So, uh, what we are going to watch today, we are going to watch Live and Let Die. So, Chris, of course, as is our tradition, tell us what you know about Live and Let Die. Well, I know that it probably has Roger Moore in it, because mm. you guys said that our next Bond film had Roger Moore in it. <laughs> You are very, yep. you uh, are a master of deductive reasoning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so good. Okay. And, <laughs> and he just died. And he just died. He did. He did just Which, die. If you listen to our last <laughs> podcast, I kind of think might be our fault. Oh. Because we were talking about how cool it would be if all of the Bonds got together and did like a Five Doctors type of Bond episode. Yeah. And yeah. somebody, and I think it was you, Melissa, mm-hmm. said, oh, that would work because they're all still alive. And then yeah. like two weeks later, Roger Moore dies. Turns it's out, my yeah. fault. Totally my fault. Yeah. Yes. So, because that's how death works. I killed James Bond. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm well, sorry. Only one of them. You killed one fifth of James Bond. Well, we haven't gotten through the series yet, so we or we've one got sixth. To... Yeah. actually, right? <laughs> there are six of them now. Right? There are six. Yeah, so you killed one sixth of James Bond. Yes, yes, but you know we've got a ways to go as well. But I'm not sure Lazenby counts as a full Bond. No, no, but that's okay. I mean, he's still Bond. He is still Bond. But so, I mean, I mean, it's less. It's less than one sixth if he's. Count Roger the apocrypha. Counts, I think Roger Moore counts as more than one Bond. Well, if, well, yeah, because he had the longest run as Bond. Well, talking yeah. about so, does does Riker count as a captain of the Enterprise? Yes, he was captain of the Enterprise uh, when uh, when uh, Picard was captured by the Borg. Right, and that was um, like two episodes. Yes. So if Riker gets to count as a captain of the Enterprise for two episodes, I think Lazenby gets to count as a Bond well, for I, one I'm film. Just, I'm just yes. questioning yes. whether he's a full sixth of a Bond. If we have, oh okay, right. so it you're depends if you're the, you're not questioning the Bondness, you're questioning yeah. the ratio. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. all. The ratio of movies, the specifically. Ratio. Yeah, but but, the, but that makes more of a case for uh, Woody Allen as Bond as well as Ursula Andress and. Uh, David Niven and right, but we're not even going to talk about that because we're here to talk about live and let die. Yes. <laughs> we, <laughs> eventually. Get dist- we get distracted eventually. sometimes. So, indeed, we do, indeed, dear listeners. This is our Roger Moore James Bond mm-hmm. film. Roger Moore was the longest tenured Bond so far. Yes, um, and uh, while we can say it seems likely that will continue, we don't know. Because uh, at the moment, Daniel Craig is still James Bond. Correct. Um, <clears throat> I thought he'd said he's got one more in him. Yeah, he yeah, says that. But, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens? <laughs> so, Roger Moore, the, the movie we are watching is the first film featuring Roger Moore as James Bond. So what's happened since we last visited Bond, we had Honor Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby. It did not go well. Right. I mean, the film did well, but the the relationship with George Lazenby did not go well. So, the decision was to go back to Sean Connery. So they went back to Sean Connery for a movie, which was Diamonds Are Forever, which I have an unreasonable amount of love for. Uh, I've liked it better since I've rewatched Die Another Day and realized it's the same movie. Mm, um, yeah. Only Die Another Day is crap. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so then, right. Then we have Sean Connery retiring his bond for good, in mm-hmm. theory. Well, so, yeah, yeah, in theory yeah, is, is important. Yeah, I mean, anyway. <laughs> Sean Connery <laughs> claims he is done. Yes. As at Bond. Th- at this point, we may be able to believe him. He may. Well, well, he has not returned to the Eon series of Bond films. He did make another Bond film through a weird legal loophole in the 80s that was not part of this series of films, and yet it was officially a James Bond film, and it was a remake of Thunderball called Never Say Never Again. It was. Yeah. And uh, we'll maybe never get 
further into it than that. Yeah, but because it's not is, very good, because it's Thunderball, again. Thunder, Thunderball was bad the first time, and yeah. it's bad the second time. It is, it is. And it's notable only for Sean Connery's return as Bond. But, Correct. Uh, so and, Roger, and the crumbling underground or uh, underwater layer, which I thought was cool. Underwater layer. So layer. Roger Moore uh, comes in as James Bond. It's mm-hmm. notable that he is older when he takes the role than Sean Connery was when he left the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... By the time he's done, well, anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So this is his first film, and uh, I think what we're going to see, and we won't really go into much before we watch the movie, but what you're going to see is a radical shift in the character of James Bond. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And uh, we're going to see patterns emerge in this film that are even more almost, almost every Roger Moore film follows these patterns in remarkable lockstep. Yep. Um, and there are so many things I'm going to be able to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I, I kind of love this movie because it's crazy pants. It is crazy uh, pants. It is it totally is... crazy pants. This is 1973. This is uh, in the black exploitation era of American filmmaking. And even though this is a British film... The Brits kind of wanted in on that, and you will see that angle oh come in. So, yeah. yeah uh, and, and I will just say, I really like Yafet Kodo, and Yafet Kodo is in this movie. Yay. Yay. So, there you go. We will go watch Yafet Kodo and Roger Moore, <laughs> Sir Roger Moore, the late Sir Roger Moore. Yeah. Which is our fault. <laughs> yeah, I, I blame myself. <laughs> in live and let die, and we'll be right back. to say Many crocodiles have been fed. Many lawns have been torn up by motorboats. And James Bond. <laughs> and, and, and there are so many missing rim shots in that movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Many rim shots wow. have been not used. Yes. And uh, Roger Moore has started the Bond franchise along the Roger Moore path for many years to come. <laughs> How many years, actually? He was Bond until the mid-80s. So this was 73, it was uh, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, okay. So he's 45 when he starts. He's nearly 60. Yeah, okay. By the time he he plays his last uh, James Bond. (laughs) So what you were saying about the last film now makes a whole lot of sense, because I did not know he was that old in this film. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and he's he's pretty spry. Yeah, I mean, he looks good and... What's interesting about this film is how they were trying to break from... uh, Well, you know what? First, we should say, hey, Chris. Yes, yes, yes. As our novice, what did you think of the film? I really enjoyed it. Uh, I I mean... on one hand, I was horrified by the black exploitation thing. Yes, um, that that especially in light of a lot of stuff that's going on today was yeah. especially nothing, nothing better than a bunch of white people doing black exploitation. Yeah, white right. English people. White doing English black people. Yes. Anyway. so so that was horrifying. But um, but overall, I, I thought that the film was very good. I enjoyed mm-hmm. Roger Moore as Bond. I thought mm-hmm. he was a good Bond. Um, his wordplay, in particular, some of the the kind of classic Bondisms, like the very end of the film, just being disarming, darling. Yes. Um, yes. They, they rolled very nicely off of Roger Moore. So that was that was really enjoyable. I think I think so far out of the, the three Bonds I've seen, I'm not really counting Quantum of Solace because I don't remember it right. very much. And it's there's not a memorable not much to movie. remember. Really, there's not. So I, I think Roger Moore might be my favorite Bond so far. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Brave wow. words. Brave words. Oh, that's, that's, uh, Excellent. that's gutsy. Yeah. It's a gutsy call. Yeah. But uh, not so far from, I mean, I think. I think a lot um, of people, it, 
for a lot of people, Moore is their favorite Bond. Like, my mom swears by Roger Moore, you know, because, like, it's kind of like Doctor Who, you know, the one mm-hmm. you imprint on is your Bond. Mm-hmm. You know, so, theoretically, is... I should have imprinted on Daniel Craig. Yeah, but, really. But, but you didn't see you him didn't in his really, finest hour. Yeah, you couldn't really notice him. But yeah. uh, in, Moore, Moore represents a modernization of the Bond franchise, I think, uh, to, uh, I, I think as far as how we relate to the Bond franchise now, mm-hmm. I think we can relate more to the Roger Moore films than we can to the, the older ones. Although I, I would say that a lot of what we are doing now in the Bond movies is kind of a reaction against a lot of what became of the Moore run, because by the end it got really Moore campy. Becomes, it got okay. silly. Moore becomes a parody of himself. Yeah, uh, it's really, unfortunate. Or, yeah, or, or, I, and it the is. The Moore Bond it films is. become a parody of themselves. Uh, you know, so, and, and there, are, there are very good Roger Moore Bond films. I like Live and Let Die. There are obviously some troubling yeah. uh, <laughs> a few elements things. to it. There are some There's moments that are a little dorky. But mm-hmm. overall, I think it's a solid film. And I mean, one of the things that they did was they they kind of stripped it bare for a Bond film. They don't they don't show Q in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas he's going to, and, and that apparently was a very unpopular choice. They got a lot a lot of guff from fans. Yeah. Part of the reason he didn't show up is because he was on contract to do a different uh, project at the same time, and then they were also concerned that the Gadgets were getting a little jokey, mm-hmm. so they went, oh, maybe we won't have a Q in this one. And everybody went, no, we want Q back. So I love the watch. Yeah, the, no, the watch, watch is great. great. The watch, the yes. watch was fantastic. I was, I was pleased to see kind of a return to the mm-hmm. gadgetry. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the watch for the fact that there is a established thing the watch can do. Mm-hmm. He uses it to do that thing, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then later he uses it again, and it does. Yeah. Uh, but then there's this thing that they never tell us about. Yes. That, that <laughs> well, by the way, it does this. <laughs> it's a miniature like, buzz saw. Which is like, uh, if you nudge it in the wrong way, as you often do with something that's on your wrist, that would be really problematic. That could be yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, else, it would just rip through your jacket, and those are yeah. well-tailored suits. Yeah, but but never a tux. He doesn't appear in a tux in no, this no, movie. No, we do not. No tux. And it's like one of the very few Bond movies where Bond never shows up in a tux at any point. Nor does he order a vodka martini. Yeah, he drinks bourbon. Yeah. So I normally, this is one of the points where I make a comment about how he rocks the suit. Mm-hmm. Um, I do highly approve of the rocking of the suit. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, and I, I think my favorite look for Bond in this film was the end look with the tan jacket and the dark pants. That was mm-hmm. a very nice look on Moore with his lighter hair, and yes, I approve. Yeah. Although I think best outfit goes to Jeffrey Holder, who plays Baron Samedi. Yes. Because... By God, <laughs> I don't know. I I, I love that man. Couple, I love that man so much. There's a couple of outfits that Solitaire wears that are pretty stunning. See, I'm not um, a big Gene Seymour fan, oh, and, and see, that, I was that a big might James teach me. Fan. Uh, well, I know you kind yeah. of. Speaking of imprinting, speaking of teenage boys, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Jeffrey Holder, by the way, if he didn't recognize him. He's the Uncola man from the 1980s. He's the guy, from, the oh spokesman from the God. 7-Up commercials. Wow. He also uh, was a spokesman for Starburst. Starburst, yes. With that voice, he could probably be spokesperson anything yeah. he wants. He passed away like three years ago. Uh, he was, yeah, he was, uh, he was the voice of uh, Ray the Sun in Bear in the Big Blue House. Melissa, are you are you sharing trivia? <laughs> yeah, is it trivia? Oh, it amuses Yay. me so much. But uh, and also the narrator of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the the oh. Tim Burton one. Yeah, but he did, he did tons of voice actor work like that. And I thought I recognized and, his voice from somewhere. Oh yeah, from, yeah, yeah probably oh, from a dozen places that you're probably from the a dozen for. places. But especially given the way he laughs in this movie, it's like ha 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 the uncola. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably that was where beautiful. It came from. That was beautiful. I mean, he made a very good Baron Samedi. Oh yeah, because he's just kind of ethereal, and he's a dan- He was a dancer and a choreographer. Okay. Uh, he actually directed some Broadway as well, and uh, he he was actually I think the, he was the original director of The Wiz on Broadway. Oh and, wow! And he won the 1975 Tony Award for Jesus it. Jesus Christ! What hasn't he done? Yeah. Well, he was mainly a stage actor, as I understand it, and uh, he also. Uh, <laughs> 
he won a Tony Award for Best Costume Design at one point, too. So he was just, but he okay, was mainly hate a, him now. But, but he was mainly a dancer, as I understand it. He started dancing at age seven, and he was, well, he was part of his family's dance company, but he was, you know, quote, discovered by Agnes DeMille, as in the daughter of Cecil B. DeMille. Oh, wow. <laughs> and kind of taken uh, into a long and storied career. You know, but yeah, he's watching, kind of an amazing guy. Watching him move on screen, that not knowing that, but thinking yeah. back, that totally makes sense. Just the way that he was obviously so aware of his body and oh, yeah. what it was doing. Uh, yeah, I can totally see him being a dancer since he was seven years old. Yeah, and, and when like when he kind of first shows up and he's at the uh, uh, the tourist trap mm-hmm. doing the and he goes into a dance for like half a second. And you kind of go, oh, look at that man move. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be over here now. I'll be, uh, I'll be in the other room for for a few minutes. Uh. <laughs> Just so much sex oh, yeah. appeal in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You stare yeah. at Jane Seymour. Yeah. I'll stare at Roger Moore. You can stare at Jeffrey Holder. It'll be great. There is something for everybody, really. Yeah, the entire podcast is happy. And then there's heroin. So and then there's a lot of heroin. heroin. Yafit Koto. Young, young Yafit Koto. Like, 33 years old. I think he's still the youngest guy to ever play a Bond villain. Yeah. Yeah. Young, puppy-like Yafit Koto. (laughs) I enjoyed him as well. Dreams of world domination. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Mm Mm-hmm. What what thirty three year old doesn't have dreams of yeah, world really. domination? And all you need is like a a good you know fake funeral, and you can take out pretty much any oh, buddy yeah. who's engaging in one of the worst stakeouts in history. God, that, that was, was a really awful. bad stakeout. <laughs> it's just amazing. look at this guy like, standing look alone. Look at this guy in a suit standing in the <laughs> on a deserted street corner, on a deserted street, just staring at a restaurant. Yeah, ain't no way he's. <laughs> Anything but a spy or a cop or something. I kind of want to know how that coffin worked, though. Because they just, so the opening scene, he's on the ground and they just put the coffin down and then pick it up and he's in it. I'm like, is there a secret button that's engaging a floor? Well, there's something that had to, because I mean, that scene is uncut. Mm -hmm. So they, they had some way to make that coffin work. Now, it's entirely possible that what happened is the actor himself is like holding himself up <laughs> yes. as the coffin also is being possible. carried away. Mm-hmm. There's hand holder hand holds in there or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they I mean they had to do something yeah. to, to make it work. And well, now, m- more of those magnet watches. Oh, sure, like a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Like just on the top. Yeah. So maybe you had a pacemaker and it's like a tiny amount of iron that's actually in blood. <laughs> yeah. And, and it all like... just magnetizes him, the whole body. They had and to not, get a... nobody else around it. They had to get a crowbar <laughs> to get him out of the coffin. Yes. Yes. <laughs> turn it off. Turn it off. It's not an electromagnet. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I can't get out of the coffin. It's sunk you guys. In blood. You guys. My are fillings. Really... Oh my God, my fillings. I really have to go to the bathroom. Do you think you can get me out of here? Oh my gosh, that would, uh, that would that would be great. Um, you know, so we were we were talking about Yafet Koto. Yeah, yeah, Yafet Koto. Uh, long and storied career. He's still around too. Uh, he is uh, probably best known for Alien. The original Alien, because he was part of the cast there. He was one. Yep. He almost made it to the end, but being black, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that, that was in the air where the black black yeah. guys don't survive. Black guys don't survive. Um, uh, he, if you watched Homicide: Life on the Streets, he had a role in that. He was uh, one of the good guys in The Running Man, one of the rebel guys, which you know that dies un- unceremoniously because dies. he's black. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and also not Arnold Schwarzenegger. But. Yes, yes, and uh, he was in Midnight Run, which is a very good movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, interesting guy. He um, he's the son of a Cameroonian crown prince. Wow! Like his father was uh, the crown prince of this part of Cameroon. Please say Wakanda. Please say Wakanda. It's not Please Wakanda. Wakanda. <laughs> it was, uh, du- Douala region, I think it was. I think I've got it written down here, but he was ousted by Germany when Germany 
invaded and took oh, over all that stuff. Stupid Germans. And then, you know, France owned it, and then Britain owned it, you know, the, Africa. This and is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why we well, can't have nice no, things in Africa. So, Koto and aliens and, and, and I mean, yeah. Yeah, and Cameroon, so, if, he'd, if he'd been like the heir to the throne, he might not have ever become an actor. Yeah, but there's that's some guy true. in Canada that's heir to a throne in Africa, and he's a landscaper. Right. Well, at least... You it was know, on Great Big Story once. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's true, it's true. Uh, so anyway, uh, Yafakota's dad emigrated to the U.S. after the Germans marched through, uh, and he moved to Harlem in the 1920s. And then about 10 years later, uh, he and his wife had Yafakota and I think a couple other kids. Um, so the Yafakota's mother and father were both Jewish as well. <laughs> which means he was Yafakota grew up in New York City black and Jewish wow <laughs> yeah I'm sure that that went great for him yeah 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 that was tough apparently so yeah, uh, he did have the chance to play Lando Calrissian and turned it down because he was afraid the black guy was going to uh, die by the end of the movie. He and was wrong for <laughs> once. Oops. Uh. And, um, I'm really amused by the fact that uh, he and his wife Tessie currently run a an artist retreat in the Philippines called the Running Man Institute. <laughs> <laughs> which they founded in 2001 and it's uh, just basically um, set up for people in the entertainment industry who need to relax and get back in the creative zone and that's kind of cool mm-hmm, get their health back from the stresses <laughs> of entertainment life now, and I enjoy Kananga's uh, plan in this movie just because he's not the world domination yeah uh, villain. He's just basically. I, I just want to be able to make all sorts of money selling heroin. Yeah, and and look at my underground lair. Isn't this cool? <laughs> I've got a monorail. I have a monorail. I have a shark tank. I have it all that. It may. I've got an elevator. Yes. That leads to a graveyard. Yes. I've got the it obligatory not, crane that I can tie my enemies to and lower them into much. the shark tank. Yes. Yes. Much, but he's still. Got a lot. Enough to make one wonder how, why he needed all those billions of dollars he was going to make off of heroin. He has to pay back oh, Lehman Brothers. Well, <laughs> you know, you need more filet of soul restaurants, apparently. Maybe um, you want to uh, invade Cameroon and take it back from... Yeah, there you go. There you go. He had an uh, honorable goal to take back an African country from the yes. Europeans. No, but you're, you're right, Tim. If he could afford to build that kind of underground lair... Then well, what does he I need mean, another billion problem. dollars this for? This is the problem well, that we run into with supervillains all the time. You've created teleportation technology. You could sell it and become incredibly rich, but instead you've decided to rob banks. Yeah. Which seems harder. Do. Which seems harder really? than just yeah. selling the teleportation mm. technology to the highest bidder. Hello, Elon Musk? Uh, yeah. Okay, done. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and in this case, Kananga, who, who seems really... I mean, he's able to motivate people. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got how many dozens of people in his employ just to dispose of the body of a secret agent <laughs> in the middle of a funeral? Yep. And... He, he, and they're talented. They can dance. They can play instruments. I mean, yeah, it, these are, this oh is yeah. not grunt work. Well, he is it, it, absolutely charismatic. He he's not bad looking. He has he has a a, a a whole chain of restaurants that are super busy at lunch, even though there's <laughs> nobody on the street out front. Mm-hmm. And he and yet. He decides that what he really needs to do is corner the heroin industry. Well, you got to follow your dreams, man. Yeah, I guess. This was <laughs> He's probably also the prime minister of an island yes. nation. Yes, of a you... fictional island and nation. Got, and he's got a girl who can read fortunes so long as you don't have sex with her. <laughs> when you when you look at Kananga, and well, you look well, at Tim, every, when you. When you say it like that, it sounds very silly. <laughs> when you look at Kananga and you look at everything that he's got going for him, it just doesn't make a lot I know. of sense. So can we talk about this virginity thing? Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes, yes, we should. We let let's let's unpack this, right? All right. <laughs> 
Oh my god, there are so many things wrong with the politics in this movie. Like, all over. Oh my god. Where do we even start? I don't, I don't, I... Well, first of all, let's start with Gloria Hendry, who played um, Rosie... Garver? Whatever her name is. The the black woman who's the the Bond girl who... I feel horrible right now because I can't remember the black woman's last name. It was Rosie something. Yeah, it's Rosie, but... But, well, I mean, part of it is because that character is terrible. Yes. That poor actress. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Jesus. It... uh, Okay. Well, the reason that... I felt like I could drive one of those boats into her mouth because it just just sat there with an open mouth the entire time. She is so painfully incompetent. But why would she be there if she was that... Oh, good Lord. Okay, so... (laughs) the the, the writer, The writer of this movie is Tom Mankiewicz, who... uh, is the guy who also wrote Man with the Golden Gun, Diamonds Are Forever. Um, he was also, I, th- I think he was doing some script doctoring on uh, Superman and Superman 2, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, as well as Lady Hawk. Yay! Uh, but he's the son of Joseph L. Mankiewicz, who was the guy who made All About Eve and Guys and Dolls and <laughs> uh, Sleuth and The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. And so, like, he's Hollywood royalty. He wrote this script with uh, Guy Hamilton, who is the director of this movie and also directed Goldfinger. Um, and the two female roles, he wanted the uh the the main woman solitaire to be a black actress okay which would have made sense the character in the book is actually yeah. a black a black character yeah and uh Rosie's supposed to be a white actress and the reason that solitaire changed to a white actress is part it's because the producers balked and because they knew they were exporting the film to countries that actually had laws against showing interracial relationships on screen so you can really have that main actress who winds up with Bond at the end be black. But a one-night stand is okay? Apparently a one-night stand well, they didn't, is... Well, I mean, they I don't, don't really or show the, it entirely. Well, She's and wearing it's easier, his shirt. And it's I mean, easier I think you to, can infer. It's easier to cut that out than it is to cut out the larger role of solitaire. Fair, so yeah, I imagine yeah, yeah. that was the reasoning behind that. But, but then you wind up with this black actress in this... Oh, horribly incompetent role. It's like, oh my God, that made it worse. That's horrible. Yeah, she's <laughs> just, just a coward. Oh, and she's you know. just... That oh, that poor that poor actress. Uh, Gloria Hendry, the, the woman who played her, um, is in Black Belt Jones with Jim Kelly and a bunch of other uh, black exploitation films of the oh. day. Um, actually, Black Belt Jones is bonkers and I kind of love it. Uh uh, Black. She was in Black Caesar along with um, oh one of the other gentlemen who was uh, one of the um, uh, yet yeah, uh, Julius Harris was also in Black Caesar with her, but she worked for the NAACP. Uh, she then wound up working for Hugh Hefner as a bunny for a while, and then she got cast in this in the midst of her black exploitation roles, and so it's like you've got this statuesque, beautiful black woman who's a fairly competent actress. Has some, has some bona fides. <laughs> yeah. And then, given that role, it just... I hurt. Ouch. I kind of it, hurt. It, it hurts me. It pains me. It really does. It, it hurts me even more than a white guy going into a, a, a voodoo ritual and just randomly shooting black people. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. That's just well, that's there's so we much were, and so we were, many layers of awful. So we were we were gonna talk about the sexual politics of this yeah, movie, and yeah. and so so what happens with Rosie? This whole thing, like she yeah. tells him no yeah. at the start, and I'm like, yeah, yeah go, go, you go, yes. yeah, you yeah, don't then, just fall into bed with him. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, there's a place for that sort of thing, and if you're two consenting adults, have a great time. Yeah, absolutely. But we have one very consenting adult and one non-consenting adult. Mm-hmm. So James Bond is definitely rated very consenting. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, in his own terms. Yeah, I would yeah. I would put Bond in the same category as Jack Harkness. Yeah. yeah kind of an omnivore. Yeah. <laughs> Robots? Great! Yes. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Jack Harkness. Nope. Um, <laughs> nope. So, so she tells him no, 
yay, great, yeah. you go, girl. Then she sees a top hat on with a chicken feather on it. Yep. And she's like, hold me. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. It hurts Don't so leave me alone tonight, James. Oh, God. So, I'm, I mean, I don't even... I guess yay for your panty dropping skills, Bond. But <laughs> I, you know, I don't think it doesn't get much better in in the Roger Moore era. It really doesn't. Uh, it's pretty pretty. Are there more top part. hats with chickens? No, I just mean that. Mm, well, there there are more top hats, but yeah, there are a lot of top hats at the gym, mm. but, but in the Roger Moore, but the. the <laughs> The ladies tend to <laughs> tend to be better panty dropping than yeah. than most other things. Yeah, they're um, they're more like they're they're flinging them like fifty year old women at a Tom Jones concert. Just fling, <laughs> fling. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tim had a, tech, a technical right. difficulty. Right. Speaking of flinging, things. that probably made noise. Fling. If you're listening to the podcast, you hear the. But. Uh, it Good. was just me dropping the microphone. We're all fine. <laughs> I, I promise I threw, so then threw no did, underwear at Tim. We didn't throw anything at then Tim. Then we've got the fortune teller who yeah. uh, clearly loses her uh, abilities once she, she has gets sex. <laughs> which it, it's kind of the, the the Wonder Woman thing of like a man ties her up with a lasso and suddenly she's powerless. I just, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you, know, you wonder about if, 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 uh, if was masturbating okay? Does it happen? Could she use a dildo so long as it's not an actual, actual penis? Guy? Yeah. What if she Does had, she had she sex lesbian with a woman? sex? Yeah. Could she have sex with a woman? Yeah. yeah. Is it just penetration that's the problem? Well, I mean, traditionally, I think it's considered that the breaking of the hymen is what triggers the loss of actual virginity. Okay. So, I mean, so if she, she ran a fucking horse. Right. Perhaps. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, fell down the stairs in a really awful fashion, yeah, you know? It seems like a lot of ways that that, that particular thing, you know, there's the whole talk about the violation aspect or... or yeah. yeah, which was creeping the shit out of me, yeah. by the yeah. way. Well, I mean, it, I, I mean, I mean, I presume, and Bond looked a little bit disturbed at that point too, which yeah, good for him. Good for him. And, and you know, given how many women Bond has slept with by this point, in the I'm movie. sure he in the and in others, um, I'm sure he's carrying something, which is you yeah, know the age old joke. So but I mean, on the other hand, if, he's probably got very good health care through. That's through probably <laughs> true. He does have Q unit. Yeah. So you know, they I'm picturing Q looking at a microscope and going, wow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, consider that the, the last movie that uh, Roger Moore starred in uh, for the James Bond franchise was in 1984, 1985. What was happening in the U.S. right in those years? That was AIDS territory. Yeah. So. And, and so uh, the Bond franchise fell out of favor for a, a Certainly good that four part or five of it. years. Yeah. Yeah, so, when so, when the franchise returned a few years later, um, it was very very different the in thing terms I of that. I always wonder about with with Kananga is you know okay so she no longer has the power. It's been established that the power passes from mother to daughter to mother to daughter. So why would he kill her before she had a kid? Right, right. Just get her knocked up, and then I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that that. The, the, the idea of her being, you know, essentially a sex slave whose job is to produce the the tarot card reading air. But that, I mean, that's not like okay. a better thing than having her tied to a couple of posts and poisoned by a snake. So, but, so, so why wasn't the scheme to get a turkey baster <laughs> and a sperm donor... <laughs> I mean, and have her produce a daughter. I mean, or, as long or have as her produce several daughters. I mean, yeah, you could have a whole of them. At that you point, could, you could make a lot of money. Yeah, unless it's only like out. Unless it's virginal, like virginal <laughs> psychics. Unless it's only mother to like firstborn daughter or something. Well, we but, don't but know. still, but still, you, you, I mean, presumably, presumably, if you if you were going to knock her up, you wouldn't want that gap, that like nine month gap, where she's pregnant. And not being able to uh, predict the future, right. and then having the daughter. So 
that's that's why I think you know a turkey baster is an ideal solution yeah, because and, that, and, I mean is that that wouldn't count right or right. well you would probably have to you would probably that, have to get it far enough in there where the hymen would be broken. I mean, I don't know a whole it, lot about fertilizing lot with of, a turkey a baster, but I think the problem is it's a lot of messy science, um, and and it doesn't make a lot of sense when you're talking about psychic progeny. Um, <laughs> well, and also at, at this point in the in the movie, that at the at this point where we're where we're talking about in the film, that ship is sailed. Yes, I mean yes, yes, Bond, well gone. <laughs> so if Bond's banging her anyway, why yeah. not send them not, off to yeah. fucking Switzerland for a couple of months? I can't believe she was using any birth control because she wasn't supposed to be having sex. I don't know that she knew what that was. Right. Yeah, and oh, can can I just say that the creepiest line to me. Of this whole thing is finally I'll be a complete woman. Oh my yeah, god! It's, oh, yeah. Mm. Oh I mean, I enjoy that once she has sex, she just goes for it. She's like, well, yeah. Let's just do this a lot. Yeah, this I'm, is my I'm favorite into thing. This. This, is a, this is a good thing. Well, considering yeah. the number of women that Bond has slept with, mm -hmm. I feel like he at at some point he would have had to have learned something, even he just by right. accident. He yeah, must, he must be pretty good at it. You assume I, well that. Well, you, he's you, got some skills. I yeah. mean, speaking as somebody who's had bad sex, you don't roll over and go, hey, let's do that again. Right. If the guy sucks. Right, it's true. And well, and, and given that no, right. Bond Different is, kind of sucking, Tim. Right. Oh, God. Well, I figure, you know, since Bond is a spy, he must know something about social engineering and thus probably knows quite a bit about how to get women to like him in... You know, it, all the manners. Uh, it yeah. basically mm -hmm. takes just a big old deck of lovers cards, and he can yeah, he can convince uh, psychics <laughs> to have sex with him. So yeah, where did he get those? Uh, you know, <laughs> there was a kinkos around the corner. <laughs> It's a really good question. Hey Q. Hey Q, can you can you deliver to me by tomorrow an entire deck and I, of tarot no, cards? And they look they have to look just like this. Yes. This is, this is pre Fennec, so I don't understand. Alright, so uh, <laughs> Well, they had bike messengers. We're making a lot of fun of this film because it is wacky and it oh has some God. of this crazy like like the whole tarot card reading. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about Sheriff Pepper? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, we need we have oh, to talk about, let's talk about and Sheriff we have to talk Pepper. about the boating. Yeah, the boating. About the boating. Let's yeah. start let's start with the boating because okay. oh my god, so much boating. Oh my god, yes. so much boating. <laughs> but I'm not going to bitch about the boating as much as I bitched about the skiing mm -hmm. because there were boats being driven across lawns, which was amazing. <laughs> wedding. Yes. Yeah, yes. you were upset about them destroying the cake. I was upset because it looked like they plowed into the bar tent. Well, they yeah. did plow into the bar. Well, they did. Well, yes. it, it, that 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 sucked. But a boat ending up in a pool. I love the, the <laughs> yeah. line that comes over the race. Stole his boat, but it's all right because he's got another one in his pool. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my boat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that they, they drive boats on the grass no less than three times. It's a stunt so nice they did it thrice. Yeah. And they, I counted four. And, Oh, there were four. There I were think. four. Yeah. There were four. You, I, I, you was, I was. Price, then there was that one more where they drove the boat across uh, the road. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, the road didn't uh, have much grass. So that's that might true. Be so that, that, that doesn't count as lawn. Tin has. But, but uh, that first giant leap of the boat uh, was a Guinness World Record oh, at wow. the time. It was like 110 feet that they left that boat. Wow. And uh, the reaction that the actor who plays the sheriff has to that is absolutely genuine because it's like holy shit they turned they pulled it off <laughs> so i asked him during the film if he would get a boat so that melissa and i can drive it across lawns because that'd be awesome i said i would and i will uh, get, i will endeavor to make that happen at some point in my life bucket list <laughs> by the way clifton james who uh played sheriff pepper also just passed away. Oh, uh, That's not our fault. Boy, yeah. we were watching a movie filled with dead people. Yeah. Jane uh, Seymour like, is okay, though. Yeah. She's doing fine. Yeah, she's fine. She's still alive. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. And so is Yafit Koto. Yep. So. Although, you know, the black guy never makes it to the end, so be careful. <laughs> In this case, he was the villain, so we... Mm, yeah. yeah. So Clifton James had like a career of playing blustery Southern guys because he basically plays the same role in Superman 2. As well as, of course, he returns 
to the James Bond franchise in the next movie. In He's next in movie. Man with the Golden Gun yeah. with a larger role. Yeah. <laughs> like he becomes yeah. sidekick he to be- James Bond. He becomes like, a Bond sidekick. God. Because for some reason he's in Thailand and James <laughs> Bond comes motoring through on a boat. <laughs> Water skiing. The, pro- the problem I t- is... I can't even explain it. We couldn't show you the Man with the Golden Gun if you hadn't seen Live and Let Die. That's true. Sheriff Pepper showing up in Man with the Golden Gun is so much more amazing <laughs> if you've seen him in the movie before. Well, amazingly, say, oh my God, I can't believe they did it. yourself that the makers oh, geez. of these two films looked at that character <laughs> and said, we and want more. Die and said, that's the character we want to bring back. <laughs> Not Baron Samhedi. No, no. no. Sheriff Pepper comes Even back. Even though he's riding on the back of the fucking train at the end of the movie, they've set it up that he could come back. But no, let's bring, bring back the... Sheriff Pepper. Yeah. Because, oh, God. you know, as long as we're doing a whole bunch of horrible uh, racial stereotypes of black people, let's just do a horrible stereotype of southern white right. people. Right, right. Um, Clifton James was from Spokane, Washington. Didn't wow. have that accent. Wow. <laughs> I just was, I, I I think my mouth fell open when he did the, my brother, Billy Bob. What, dear listeners, when, after Sheriff Pepper left the scene in, at one part of the movie, I, I turned to Chris and I said, he comes back. That character comes back and her jaw just hit the floor. <laughs> it was amazing. It's not the only character in Roger Moore that gets that has as a repeat showing, right? Because the the henchman Jaws is in two right. films, right? Uh, it later in Roger Moore's tenure, but Jaws is awesome. Jaws and, is great because he's yeah. played by Richard Keel, and Sheriff he's Pepper great. is not. No, awesome. he's just Why? offensive. <laughs> and <clears throat> I. I don't know why that happened or how. The only thing that that is even slightly forgivable about the character is, of course, the first time he's talking to one of the other characters in the film, he's calling a black man boy. (laughs) But then he calls James Bond boy later, so it's established that he basically calls everybody boy. So you're like, all right, at least that wasn't racially charged at that moment. Well, Um, it is. Out of this entire film, we'll take that two seconds. Yeah, Yeah, well, it's like, well, that could have been a lot worse. (laughs) Oh, wait, it just got worse. But, oh, God. Hey, there's things like the FBI agent, the black FBI agent is the quote-unquote whitest black guy in the film. Yeah. Um, (laughs) there, the... mm, uh, Well, uh, David Hedison... by the way, speaking of people who come back, David Hedison, who played Felix, actually comes back. He's one of the two p- actors who played Felix, who actually plays Felix in more than one movie. Oh. What's also interesting about the Roger Moore era, they only use Felix Leiter in this film. Yeah. And then he does not come back until Timothy Dalton takes over yep. Bond. And and that was David Hedison coming back. Well, so. it was him coming back in the second movie. He was not Felix yeah. Leiter in... Uh, in uh, Living Daylights. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I was really distracted every time Felix was on on scene because he looks he has a passing resemblance to Justin Trudeau. Yes, and uh, and I find that distracting. Huh. He, he's also Jodie Foster's father in law. Really? Yeah. Huh. Crazy, huh? Ta-da! <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. Trivia. Wonderful piece of trivia. Yay. Boom. Boom. Another um, piece of trivia dropped. A trivia bomb. Kaboom. <sighs> kaboom. Like the, like the bombs that blew up the poppy fields. <laughs> See, I'm not going to complain about the boating too much because... Because the boating a, was awesome. There's well, a the lot of boating. The boat is, and... is a fucking amazing oh boat God. chase. It really is. Oh, my God. The, the script to the movie... The whole scene, the whole boat scene, is merely listed in the script as one line. It says, scene 156, the most terrific boat chase you've ever seen. And that's what it says. <laughs> Which is what it is. It yes. is the most terrific boat chase it's, I've ever yes. seen. It, from, yes. a, from a scripting perspective, they got it right. Yeah, during the Moore era, they actually had some really fun stunts in their movies. They were, they were usually a couple of uh, really nice action sequences are really kind of mind-boggling stunts, like one of them here being the uh, the walk across the alligators, mm-hmm. which was actually done. Yeah, those are, those are real crocodiles. Yeah. And it was a real dude crocodiles, yeah. walking across. 
Wow. Those crocodiles. Yeah, the guy walking across the crocodiles was the owner of the crocodile farm. <laughs> Wearing Roger Moore's clothes. And what Roger was his Moore. Name, Melissa? <laughs> his name was Kanenga. Kanenga! Kanenga! Wow. Yeah. The 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 producers loved him so much because he was such a character that's like, we're, we're naming the villain after <laughs> Nice. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh the the sign that says trespassers will be eaten is his actual sign, sign nice at his farm and uh yeah he love this guy yeah it's a really, <laughs> really ran across crocodile and it took like six takes <laughs> and it, the, the one they used was the one where the more than once yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the one where the the crocodile rears up and snaps on him yep oh and he's wearing uh Alligator shoes. <laughs> at the time. Of course he is. <laughs> Which was Roger Moore's idea. <laughs> Roger Moore. The other thing Roger, that I, that Roger I Moore. I, I'm sorry. I'll just. This is really quick. Uh, Roger Moore was actually pretty famous for saying, "Yeah, I don't do my own stunts." <laughs> you know. <laughs> so he didn't. He didn't like doing his own stunts. He was perfectly happy letting stuntmen do stuff like that. Um, he was actually phobic of guns. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so uh, he. It, Anytime Bond uses a gun, they'd have to do lots and lots of takes because he'd always be kind of <laughs> shy of it. But apparently uh, his brother shot him in the leg with an air rifle when he was a kid and so no. had, had trauma. But yeah. That actually brings up another thing that yeah. I noticed about the movie is that there's not a whole lot of physical violence until the very end. Right. Um, the the first part seems to consist of Bond running away from stuff mostly. Well, yeah. yeah, and Roger Moore was not a particularly gifted... Uh, combatant. No, no, he wasn't. Although, um, on a previous movie he worked on, he and Lee Marvin beat the shit out of each other, and Lee Marvin was like, that guy is made of granite. Don't get into a fight with him. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, he he wouldn't do running on film, because he felt he, he didn't look good running. Like, he just didn't look convincing while running. Um, like the opposite of Tom Cruise. Like when you have a Tom Cruise movie, you always make you want, Tom you Cruise one. Run because, because Tom Cruise, when he's running, he's, he's some a, of the best acting that motherfucker does. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely but, true. But, so uh, he was like the anti-Tom Cruise. So there was, I think he just felt that he wasn't a gifted stunt person. Like he didn't have that physicality that... Uh, just physicality you know. in general. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, you know one of my favorite things about him is the, the line, of, the butterhook line was improvised yes that's beautiful <laughs> the, the, you know and we should talk about roger moore sir sir yes. roger moore he just yes. passed away mm -hmm. um you know i think uh one of the things that's he, i mean he was knighted but he wasn't knighted for his acting work he was knighted yeah. for his charity work yeah because uh near the end of his time as bond he was talking to audrey hepburn and audrey hepburn was saying you should take your celebrity and do something good with it so he proceeded to become an, an ambassador for UNICEF, mm -hmm. which he was basically up until he died and did, I mean, made millions of dollars for UNICEF yeah. in, in the time that he was, was working with them. Yeah, he basically took over for Audrey Hepburn as like the celebrity ambassador for UNICEF. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, uh, from by all accounts, was a very charming man. There was one oh, story man. when uh, the day after he passed, I was listening to the radio, and and I don't even remember who was who was recounting this story, but they were talking about how the fact that as a child mm -hmm. they had seen Roger Moore in the airport, and uh, they 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 told their grandfather, you know, that's James Bond over there. And and their grandfather's like, their grand and he's like, can can you get him? Can you get him to get, sign my autograph? And the grandfather goes up to Roger Moore and says something to the effect of, "My grandson says you're famous. <laughs> Will you sign this plane ticket for me?" <laughs> and Roger Moore was very gracious, and he signed the plane ticket, and he gives it, and the and the grandfather gives it to the kid, and the kid is super excited until he realizes the name on the plane ticket is not James Bond. Oh, oh no, and. And he's he's brokenhearted, and the grandfather goes back, and he's like, he says this isn't your name. <laughs> and Roger Moore pulls the kid aside and says, I can't sign that name. I'm on assignment. <laughs> That's awesome. So years Aww. later, this same kid Aww. has grown up, and he's now working with with uh, Roger Moore on a commercial or something for mm -hmm. UNICEF. Yeah. And he, and he recounts this story 
to Roger Moore, and Roger Moore chuckles and, and says, you know, that, that he appreciates this story and he doesn't remember it. And he catches up to the guy later in the hallway and he says, of course I remember this story, but you have to understand, I can't blow my cover. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, I mean, just a, a charming man, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah, everything I've ever heard about him is he's just... He was just absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. Just a delight to work with. Um, <laughs> there were so many funky things that happened with him during his tenure playing James Bond. Um, apparently, he had a writer in his contract that the film production would always supply him with an unlimited supply of Monte Cristo cigars. <laughs> And that bill went into the hundreds of thousands. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, he eventually quit smoking because Tony Curtis uh, took him aside and gave him a good lecture. But uh, <laughs> uh, he and Lois Maxwell, who played Money Pen- Penny, were friends since childhood because uh, they were uh, both in the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts together. Um so it was actually kind of weird synchronicity that they wound up both in the Bond franchise uh, eventually. And she was Money Penny throughout his entire yeah. career. She did not mm-hmm. leave until after uh, mm-hmm. Moore retired. Um, wow. Think, yeah. I, mm, it's been a while. I think she's still in with Dalton. Anyway. Uh, no. No, no I think she quit in the eighties. Yeah. Money penny with Dalton. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think she quit in the eighties. Um let's see, he he accidentally wound up with an Oscar once. Because uh. he was the guy who was presenting the Oscar during the nineteen seventy-three Academy Awards when Marlon Brando sent in Sachin Littlefeather to accept his Oscar for the Godfather. And so Brando didn't want the Oscar. Sachin Littlefeather didn't want the Oscar. And so Moore is like Anybody want this Oscar? Uh, <laughs> like taking it home that night. <laughs> and then the Academy had to send a car over the next day to take it over to. It's like, Brando, take it, goddammit. <laughs> I'm sure Roger Moore is standing at his front door going, What Oscar? It was not my fault to keep track of it. I, I it get, was your fault. Your, get, it was your job to keep track of it. I don't know where it is. I gave like, it to a kid at the airport. It's like it was your job to make sure. It's like a James Bond. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know we are we are wildly off the rails. And We're talking about Roger Moore. I know. I'm just, we're getting close to final thoughts. I was going to say, sure. you know, this is not the, the this is not the worst off the rails oh, no, we've ever no, met. No, 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 it's not the worst. That is for sure. Uh, but uh, we should see what else Melissa has to share before we. Uh, oh we goodness! Go to final yeah, I've, I've got like five <laughs> five pages of oh, typed notes. Oh, Paul McCartney, right? So he he gets hired. He was a Beatle. He was a Beatle. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, we'll take this one step further. This is the first movie to not be scored by uh, John Barry. Uh, so if it sounds a little different, that's why. It's because the Beatles producer, George Martin, took over and did the score work on this movie. But when uh, Paul McCartney came in, uh, this was 1973, which is about three years after the Beatles broke up. So this was an amazing thing to have Paul McCartney, you know, working on the Bond song. And so he, he came in with this song, full orchestra, you know, you know, just like we, we know and love, live and let die. And he plays it for the director and the producers. And in Hamilton, the, the director says... Um, Oh, this is great. What will it sound like when it's finished? There's a full fucking orchestra. (laughs) And the producers uh, really didn't want McCartney to sing the song. They wanted a black woman to to sing the song, you know, because the the tradition by this point was starting to be gold finger. You know, you've got Shirley Bassey or some other. We're just on diamonds are forever. The theme. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And so, um, they wanted, uh, a black woman to sing the song, but, uh, McCartney threatened to flounce. And the, one of the producers who was working on this film, uh, was also the guy who turned down the Beatles 
to do a hard day's night. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It was it was it was Hamilton. It, it was Guy Hamilton, the director, who had said, "No, I don't want to direct uh, Hard Day's Night for you guys." And then he went, "Oh God, that was stupid." So he said, "I didn't want to turn down Paul McCartney twice." <laughs> and it's a good thing he didn't because it uh, was an extremely popular song. Yeah, yeah, we, um, and he made the the song with wings, and it was it's awesome. And uh, a funny personal story about that. I, for the longest time, I had never heard the original song. Like, in my adulthood, I had never heard the original song. Because I had, at that point, never gone back and watched all of the James Bond films. I was only familiar with the Guns N' Roses cover of it. And I was always kind of mystified. <laughs> it's like, why did Guns N' Roses turn out something that interesting and awesome? And I never really understood it until I actually heard Mike Lee's uh, compilation of all the Bond themes on like a road trip. And, and then the Paul McCartney version came on and went, this makes so much sense. And it was like, it was like a puzzle piece fitting into the world that I hadn't realized was missing it's like this suddenly the math of this song <laughs> makes sense it came out of paul mccartney and the orchestra and the weird structure and it, it all makes sense now that that is my personal experience with the live and let die theme thank you thank you for that <laughs> wow that's amazing that's amazing oh god oh gosh what else is there about that I mean, my, michael sheard was originally going to be in this movie i know that yeah he, yeah his his bit was cut out so he never got to be in it but oh. he was admiral ozzel in the empire strikes back yeah and he like french kissed you and everybody on the he board did. of convergence he, I, yeah. I have french kissed a man who was nearly in this film yeah and and who played hitler cast to be in this film <laughs> uh but uh that's that's another story that's a long long story that isn't even nearly as interesting as thinking the guns and roses version of live and let die was the original version i don't know being french kissed by michael Shear I mean, is a hell, hell of a thing. thing that's a thing it is i have a it sign. really is somewhere uh, in this room is a signed picture of him as hitler so, <laughs> uh Oh, uh, uh, Roger Moore was a saint. Oh, that's we right. Yeah, probably say that. The, yeah. the original saint, yeah. 1962 TV show, very popular. That's pretty much why he got cast as Bond. And when he came I was in, and say the saint is kind of Bond. It kind of is. It kind in, of is. In, in, it, it kind of happened. At derivative the same time. Bond. Yeah, they kind of borrowed from each other. Uh, but uh, when Connery stepped away after reprising his role once, um, he turned down the sum of $5.5 million. Which at the in, time was gigantic. Yeah, wow. it's still gigantic, but it was enormously gigantic. I was going to say, I'd be completely okay with $5.5 million. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. There I'd are very that. few things I don't think I would do for $5.5 million. Yes. And Connery was like, nope. And when he heard, he personally endorsed Roger Moore doing the role is like, yes, this guy is the right James Bond for you. Here. <laughs> Here, I present to you Roger Moore. I present to you Roger Moore. And yet Moore really does take Bond into a different direction. He plants his yeah. tongue more firmly in cheek. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Connery is... Well, <laughs> but, um, there's, there you go. There's the rim shot for it. Connery is, is more, more serious. You... I think more for all the women he bangs <laughs> in, in, in the Bond series seems to give more of a shit about them True. than Connery ever does. Mm -hmm. The Connery Bond is like, well, you, my dear, are a means to an end, and I will be nice to you until I no longer need to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, you know... Roger Moore, we assume it's just a series of serious relationships that sometime after the movie ends just don't work out because he's got a very complicated job and he's away from home a lot or, or something <laughs> like that. You know, you feel like... You or know, the girl gets killed. Or, or the girl mm -hmm. gets killed. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, too Aww. soon. Anyway. <laughs> it's only been one movie since his wife was killed. Oh. Well, he's not letting the grass grow under his feet. Yeah, it's true. You know. No, no, he's not. <laughs> well, it's or anywhere to else. Keep... <laughs> oh, oh my! Oh um. my! Yeah, because he's like you know in that final scene, he's like in the bathroom, like brushing his teeth and stuff. You know, it's like he takes time. Yeah, for personal. He wants grooming. to smell good for her, and yeah, yeah, yeah he's got you know comfy and, little and, robot. You know, seems to be bringing the yeah, bringing the right kind of loving. For yeah. For this inexperienced young woman. Mm -hmm. 
Well, she obviously wants more of it. She does. She does not seem to be backing away and going, oh, James, Mm -hmm. that was great. I mean, it wasn't, but... (laughs) Let's never do that again. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll, I'll call you. Dash. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking Um, about sex in terms of, well, that happened. I never need to do that again, but... It happened. Okay, we really need to get to final thoughts. Okay. Oh, man. As, as, as much time as we've been spending on this movie. Yes. Maybe more than it deserves. But uh, anyway, so Melissa, I'm going to have to force you to provide us with a final thought. I have a few just very quick bits okay. of trivia, and okay. they're all crazy, and I can't choose. Okay, first of all, Guy Hamilton, the guy who directed the movie, was a tax exile in England, so he could only be in England 30 days a year. Yeah. <laughs> um... Jane Seymour, uh, her house uh, was the place where Radiohead recorded OK Computer. So that's, I don't know how that happened or why. Um, Her house is also where uh, David Carradine's uh, wake was after he passed away. (laughs) Roger Moore was the final guest on The Muppet Show. (laughs) (laughs) He was also on May 21st, 1964, uh, almost exactly 53 years before he passed away. Uh, He was Air France's eight millionth passenger. Wow. (laughs) And Roger Moore had a passion for collecting a towel from every hotel he stayed in. (laughs) (laughs) But he stopped after a British tabloid called him a towel thief. <laughs> but apparently he just stopped collecting the towels. He had already amassed a vast collection that he kept in Switzerland. <laughs> oh, good. Because, oh, you know, they were neutral. They're not, no extradition. Well, and, and, uh, and Swiss would, banks. No extradition of the towels from Switzerland. They're going to be very yes. safe in Switzerland. Yeah. Yes. Okay, uh, Chris, final thoughts on Live and Let Die. Really enjoyed it. Really Yay. enjoyed it. Crazy movie. You guys were absolutely right that it was it was a, a kind of a whacker of a movie. But um, but ap- apart from the the black exploitation and the very crazy sexual politics of the film, <laughs> uh, I, I could appreciate it for what it was. Um, the only the only other final thought that I will add on is that what the hell was up with that rubber snake? <laughs> that was oh, the God. worst problem well, I've ever I, I seen. Part of that we is, should point out that Roger Moore and Jane Seymour were both deathly afraid of snakes. As well as Jeffrey Holder and a couple other people in the movie. Oh my God. Just yeah. hated they, snakes. <laughs> they've got this Bond film that's covered in snakes. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> we're going to drop you an entire box of snakes. <laughs> oh, Je- Jeffrey Holder, when he gets thrown into the box of snakes and, and writhes around very in a very dancerly fashion... Um, he very much didn't want to do that, but uh, I think I think local royalty was because um, he was Jamaican. He was Jamaican, was, and the and these parts of the movie were made in Jamaica. Yeah, and the princess was uh, touring the set that day, and he didn't want to lose face in front of the princess. So oh. he, he flung himself into a box of snakes. Awesome. So yeah, everybody was afraid of snakes on this movie. Yeah, um, that's that's why <laughs> rubber snake <laughs> because of, wow. Oh, and that carpet, that carpet that wouldn't burn, fried snake carpet is immaculate flawless. carpet, asbestos carpet. <laughs> um. Oh, Melissa! Oh, yes, 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 yes. We, we have a we have a new tagline for the podcast: asbestos now. carpet. No. Oh, that's right. Um, we. <laughs> <laughs> Real education officially endorses Australians who like to punch things. Yes, yes. And yet yes. there were no Australians who like to there... punch things in this movie. It, <laughs> it's rather strange. I um. Well, we've got an Englishman who likes to shoot things. Well, he didn't like to shoot things, I, but he, he made a good sim- game of it on film. I'm simply going to, to take a moment to acknowledge, in addition to all the weird things about psychic reproduction in this film, there's also all the... All the amazingly bad science, like the oh, point where, where somebody is killed by plugging a detonator okay. into an audio cable. And, and the amazing the, inflatable Yafikoto. Oh yeah, inflatable Yafikoto. Why did he float? Or the Yafikoto. Why did he explode? There's the blood. Where were the bones? What happened there? The sharks ate them. No, they didn't even fall. How did he swallow? Because he would have had to swallow it. And then damage it. It would have just come out of his mouth. Did he have dentata dentata or something? Like like additional teeth inside the teeth? How did did Bond... Because I would think that the minute you click click the pin, it would start 
the air would start coming out, and then it, it would just come out of his mouth. Yeah, right? it'd just go, and then like hit a shark in the eye. Yeah, and kill the shark. I assume. Yeah, pr- presumably, but yeah. but that's not what happened. It isn't what happened. He, he, it, why was why was Yafit Kota made of garbage bags, Tim? I don't know. <laughs> I demanded answers. And also, also the, the other thing that I thought was fascinating was the point which one boat goes into the other boat and creates a massive explosion. Well, that's because it's 70s. That's 70s science. I know. And that I, that, but it still, that I ended as soon as uh, they recalled uh, those Pintos. No, I liked my theory. It was boat and anti-boat. Yeah, I, I mm. just said I felt it was like time cop science where two two pieces of matter can't occupy the same space. Well, same I mean, that's how... occupy the same space. Well, so. matter can't... I mean, that's how, that's how physics works. That's how works matter so. works. I mean, yeah. it is... It is how matter works. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so the, the 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 really interesting science. They they actually moments. did accidentally uh, shove one of those boats into a car. <laughs> that <laughs> that really kind of weird awkward shot of the boat crashed into a police car. It's like, oh, that actually happened. So they rewrote the script a little <laughs> to incorporate it. They left it. Nice. Yeah. So so that's what happens with real physics, Tim. Ah. Boats crash into police cars. As opposed to garbage bag Yafit Kodo. Goddammit. All right. So that's our final thoughts. Now, uh, we are going to now follow Roger Moore yep. into another film. Yes. Our next I'm so excited. It's going to be a cannibal run. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. It's, it's oh, my God. It's going to be Cannonball Run. Uh, do you, do uh, I need to get you some more chance? Oh. Have you ever seen Cannonball Run? I haven't seen Cannonball Run. You, Chris, you might want to sh- just show up. We're going to show it to Kelvin because yeah, he's Kelvin never seen Alley. it. But Chris, you might want to show up to this one because okay. since you enjoyed Roger Moore, Roger Moore is essentially playing James Bond in Cannonball Run. Or rather, he thinks he's playing James Bond. It's, a, yeah. It is remarkably meta, and I'm I'm so very happy about it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Cannibal Run featuring Roger Moore. Not in a, ma- a big part, but Roger no. Moore is in Cannibal Run. It, it's an ensemble cast. And then Chris will be returning uh, for our <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Chris will return in the living daylights. <laughs> in the living daylights. Oh, oh, oh. I feel like James Sorry, Bond. Yeah. 007 living will daylight. return. So uh, thank you, Chris, for joining us. Yes, thank you. Uh, and we will uh, catch you next time for Cannibal Run. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.